You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. Hi, and welcome to The Compass, the podcast documenting the struggles of life as an artist. I'm Leah Walsh. My guest today is Rachel Berger. Rachel is an actress and the founder of The Artist Co-op, a co-working space for artists that just opened up in New York. We met through mutual friends and the podcast, and I've been so impressed by her drive and generosity. She is amazing at bringing people together, and what she's accomplished with this project is really cool. Since the big thing she's been working on the past few years is an actual physical space, I thought it would be cool to interview her there. So we had a mini live episode with a handful of friends in attendance, and we got to tour the facility afterwards, which you'll hear at the end of the episode. Keep your eyes on the Facebook page and social media for video of some of our conversation and the space, which was taken by the lovely Dominique Taylor. She is the creator of the Storyscape, which is a really fun like reading rainbow for adults. Check it out at thestoryscape.com and on her YouTube channel for all things books. And if you want more information on The Artist Co-op, go to theartistcoop.com. I hope you enjoy the 80th episode of The Compass. What do you do to try to keep from going to the dark side as an artist? I try and get as many people in the room as possible. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Is isolation what the dark side usually manifests for you? Hmm, yeah, probably. I was really alone yesterday in the space. Here? um, Here, at the artist co-op, and it was crazy. Like, the first day that we opened, um, Tuesday, May 16th, People started rolling in, and I was like, still cleaning the floors, putting away the rugs, like, <laughs> making everything look pretty. And um, yeah, yesterday was my first time. I was like, I really like people, and I need people. And um, yeah, as many connections as possible that I can make makes me happy. Do you feel like you've always been that way? Or is that something that like, since you moved to New York, you were like, I need this? Maybe it was always in me, but it wasn't something that I was aware of because um, my background, I'm trained as an actor, so definitely wanted the spotlight all the time or wanted to uncover a story, um, but didn't understand that I yearn for connection. Um, Yeah. Um, So we're going to get to talk about all sorts of things, which I'm very excited about. But um, when did this idea to open the Artist Co-op first come into existence? When did it pop into your head? So it all started um, in uh, March of 2015. Mm -hmm. I was sitting around with some friends from the Labyrinth Theater Ensemble. We had done the intensive... um, in 2013, and we're called the Thump Thump, the Heartbeat Ensemble. And um, <laughs> a friend had done a, po- a poem and ended with um, running his hand over his heart, and it became the Thump Thump. And we are a very close knit group, and went to our friend Cairo's house in the Catskills. He's this beautiful black man, and probably the only black guy in the Catskills. <laughs> 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 and we met up there, and we went on a hike, 
And I pitched this idea to them, how I was so frustrated auditioning for MFA programs and not getting the response that I wanted and realizing I have this beautiful community of artists right here in that room. And um, they're like, yeah, Rage, go and do it. So I sat on it for a little while and then went to the Edinburgh Fringe Festival um, with a piece um, called Future Honey with three other ladies. Uh-huh. And <laughs> I'm telling you the long story. No, I, I want it all. <laughs> <laughs> and so uh, we're in the Edinburgh Fringe Festival and we're doing this crazy futuristic physical device theater piece. And um, <laughs> one night, we're reading our tarot cards to each other because that's kind of <laughs> what you do. Um, when you're in Edinburgh. Yeah. And um, I asked the tarot cards, like, should I create this this co-working space for artists? And it was pretty like, just do it. And I came back, and and then the, the third um, validator was my, my best friend and roommate, um, rents office space out of WeWork. And I asked her, should I be a teacher or should I keep pursuing this acting thing? And, or should I be doing this co-working for artists? And she said, Rachel, you just gotta try this crazy idea. And um, so I went to the Small Business Development Center and learned about pitch decks and financial projections and was told to research. And I feel like that's kind of what you do as an actor. You're like, we gotta research everything about that right. artist or the, the character to inform your decisions. So yeah, September 2016 was like when I really went after it and was working, you know, babysitting, Physique 57, the bar studio. <laughs> like, uh, yeah, doing a lot of different odd jobs to make ends meet mm-hmm. and um, went on a lot of coffee dates <laughs> just to like flesh out the idea and um, realized that there was this disconnect between um, artists and co-working space. Because I'd be like, D- you know, we work, the we work. Yeah, I mean, I've looked it up and then I'm like, no, this is way too expensive for an actor. <laughs> right. Like, that would be great. Like, I've, I've gone there once with a friend who uses this space and I was like, this is amazing. There's beer on like, tap. No, 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 <laughs> too expensive. Yeah. So um, I realized I needed to bring friends to a co-working space, artist friends to a co-working space to kind of um, help them understand the idea. And so um, I was apprenticing at Center for Social Innovation, which is a co-working space for nonprofits. And um, in June, we did this four-day event extravaganza called The Pop-Up. And every night, we had something that started with a C word. I love branding. I'm realizing like that's my creative <laughs> guide. So cultivate, collaborate, celebrate, and something else. There was another C word. But <laughs> <laughs> we had a roundtable discussion one night about what is representation in the theater with New York Deaf Theater, Girl Be Heard, um, Fire This Time Festival. And we had one night where like the Bats and Musical Theater Factory created performances inspired by the space. And then we had an art expo and a dance party but all in the co-working space so that they can understand the thing. And so... I mean, that's a huge step. Yes. I mean, you're because kind of, it's such a big story, you're kind of glossing over it, yeah. but when you, had, you went through all this research and then you had this pop-up event of the space, of the artist co-op, 
Did you have a team with you at that point, or was that just like I did powering through? I did. I had um, a good friend Jessica who is part of the labyrinth, and then she was on our honeymoon. So I felt like I was like the vortex of the tornado. But then I was like, who's gonna join me in this crazy thing? <laughs> and then, suck you in. So, yeah. <laughs> a friend who was working at La Mama, she helped with some programming. But it's like a people business. You gotta like yeah. get like go on those coffee dates and be like, you want to do this thing with me? Great, come on. That's something I've been so impressed (laughs) since we met because I'm not always the best at networking. I like I like it to be genuine, and sometimes people can I feel can be very fake if you're like trying to network. And um, everything I've experienced with you since we met is just very open and positive and generous, and it's not. Sometimes I feel like people can be selfish with resources. They feel like there's only something for me. And I've just seen you connecting all these people just for the joy of seeing That's other so, people connect. It's the best feeling. I'm realizing. <laughs> so, it makes me so happy to watch. Thank you. Yeah. I, I had this moment when we were filming the Indiegogo video of like, and I think the first thing that came out of my mind was like, connection. My grandmother, who passed away in November, was, um, we, her name's, Matsi Burger, but or Marion Burger, but she goes by Matsi, and in our family we called her Bubby. But she would always have people over at, at our house and just be the hostess with the mostess. And like, <laughs> I'm trying to live in her glory of. She would, yeah, it's that selfless yeah. like, I, I, karma. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think that's awesome. Yeah. So what was the what kind of response did you get after the pop up? Um. We got some really good PR, which was cool. I even got interviewed by a New York Times journalist. Ooh. But the week or the day after, he was like, yeah, <laughs> that's not going to be. I'm no longer working for the New York Times. Uh, oh, so the <laughs> journalists run around from different um, publications. Um, the response, uh, a really, oh, this is interesting. A real estate developer in Harlem reached out to me and um, offered up a school uh, that had been vacant, but it was part of a low-income housing property. The biggest one, actually, in North America. It's on one... Uh, I don't know if I should be saying this, but... Yeah, it's okay. <laughs> on you decide not later, we'll, we'll cut it yeah. 133rd and Broadway. And it's... It had... It was like a... At the basement, an old school that hadn't been touched in like 10 years... And it would have been really cool, but I found myself really battling trying to get the Harlem artists involved with that. And I felt like I was an outsider trying to project something in that community. And um, for the co-op, in my pitch deck, I was like, it needs to be conveniently located for all the boroughs, so by prioritizing. So it fell through, and one learned about how gross some real estate people can be and tried to, yeah. it was not pretty. That is a theme in New York City. Yeah. For sure. <laughs> yeah, it was a weird, we need more business women and, yeah. and, um, and real estate women um, because it was an uncomfortable situation where I felt jeopardized and mm. used because I was cute or whatever and it was, yeah, shitty. But yeah, that's gross. Silly. I'm glad that happened. So I, when I, this came along, I was like, oh, 
they're not trying to want to. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, and sometimes you can feel like, oh, this this is the only opportunity I'm going to get. I have to. I have to, have to do this. it. Right. And but since you waited, you found something that was more what you needed. Yeah. Yeah. I kept having that monologue in my head of like, but I'm so desperate. Like, yeah, I've got to make this thing, thing happen. What? Am, what? What's the limit? Before it's like, Rachel, what the fuck are you doing? Like, step back. <laughs> yeah. So then. After the pop-up, what was your plan of attack? Um, well, I was really hoping for that Harlem space, but then that happened. And then these guys, Clinton Housing Development Company, r reached out to me. I had met them in February of 2016, and there were these two young bro, broy guys. <laughs> well, it was unexpected. I d um, David Geis, who's the executive director of CSI, Center for Social Innovation, um, introduced me to them and they were looking to bring co-working to Hell's Kitchen. So I did my pitch deck and talk about why we need a space for artists, blah, blah, blah. And I followed up with an email to them and never heard from them. This is in February. And then in October of 2016, um, I get an email saying, hey, we have two spaces on 52nd Street. You want to check them out? Out of nowhere? Out of nowhere. Oh my God. So. That happened, and one was 4,500 square feet, but a seven-floor walk-up or a freight elevator access. And then this space, the 2,000 square feet, um, and now we're here. <laughs> Negotiated a price and figured out a, um, a lease situation, and then had a guardian angel come in and said, don't wait, just do it. And he helped me pay the first month's rent b before we even launched the Indiegogo campaign, because raising money is crazy. <laughs> See, that's the thing that's super overwhelming for me. So like, how did you, I know you kind of, you went to that center and you got all this um, mm -hmm. business advice and business training. I still don't know what a pitch deck is, but <laughs> <laughs> like, how did you break things down so that it seemed manageable for yeah. yourself, like all these steps? Especially the fundraising. The fundraising uh, helped because I knew I had a, a budget. And especially, I had dreamed up of a 10,000 square foot space with X amount of amenities and this amount of um, what the Wi Fi is. And I kind of like got specific about it. And I know I could have even been more specific about things. But once you have like that reference, you can make a. So. Um, the fundraising, um, yeah. Mm. <laughs> well, I chose to go with Indiegogo, mm -hmm. and I met with a specialist. He actually lived in Jersey City, where I used to live, and um, helped filmmakers raise millions of dollars. And I was like, so I'm doing this thing. And he was like, cool. <laughs> You're asking for way too much money. It was 25000 and. But we did it, <laughs> and we raised more than. So 20. why did he say that? I don't. He's like you're. You have a hard audience, and yeah, because other artists often don't have money to give. Right. Yeah. But I felt like we're offering a service to artists, so I didn't feel. I felt like it was so valuable, and there is also donors and sponsors who wanted, who want to support artists 
and see the benefit of it um, that we could tap into as well. So he told you that's too much, and you were yeah. like, we'll see. <laughs> <laughs> Will I raise my glass to you? <laughs> yeah, it's kind of what happened. It definitely made me doubt a lot. Yeah. Um, How did you deal with that particular dark side in that time? Tears. Tears, <laughs> There's yeah. been a lot of tears. Yeah. Um, it, I'll, I'll be honest, like, uh, fundraising, this thing felt very vulnerable. I remember talking to my therapist, yeah. and it just felt so connected to my identity. Like, I was asking people to, like, I don't know. It's really hard to articulate. Um, well, money is so tricky ugh. already. It makes you feel vulnerable. <laughs> yes. And, um, yeah, it's it was just a weird... weird and, and the whole indie, um, publicizing it on Facebook and, and it wasn't just like a company thing. It's like Rachel is doing this company, but it's really Rachel, but it's the company. Mm-hmm. So it felt, um, who has ownership of the artist co-op when we're trying to create something that is an umbrella for all artists, but you need somebody to be able to be the spearhead of this thing. Yeah. Otherwise it won't happen, but you want to keep your moral compass. (laughs) (laughs) Well done. Thank you. (laughs) Get a drink on that one. Uh, Yeah. Well, and now you're here, and it's been almost two weeks. Yeah. Since you opened. And you were saying that that first day felt kind of lonely when you were here. Have you been here every day? Yeah, every day I'm hustling. <laughs> do you have other folks taking some of the hours, or are you just here every day? I do. Keeping the doors open. Maybe this is some of my uh, OCD or, like, I guess the first first two weeks I, I had in my mind that I need to set the operations of how this thing is going to run. Uh-huh. What's nice is we're not booked to the book like crazy so it has given me time to think about okay how do we want to market this thing and who are the people that we're bringing in and I'm really um has allowed me time to think and this idea of intentional community of who is coming through these doors Mm -hmm. and why so we have a space a physical tangible place to live and breathe as artists and it Joe Schmo is great, but I want it to be a specific type of artist, and I think I'm willing to wait for those people who are content creators that are working on their own shit and need a space that supports them because there are plenty of places they could go instead, and it has has to be intentional. Yeah. You want it to be like a place people can really be innovative. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So the two weeks, they've been pretty good. (laughs) (laughs) Is there anything that surprised you in those two weeks? Yeah. Well, I'm an early riser, and I was like, yeah, eight to six. It's a great time for people to get their shit done. No, (laughs) people don't wake up early. like what it starts like moving and shaking at like 12 yeah 
these and are then actors. These are a lot of actors. Well, it's not all actors. Not, but. but like even writers, mm-hmm. like um, people, uh, just finding the flow. And I don't want to. You kind of have to set parameters first. It's interesting. We were talking about this earlier. Mm-hmm. But you have to set the rules. See if those rules work. And if they don't, okay, let's reevaluate. But it's it's very vulnerable to be like, these are the rules, <laughs> you know? Because I say, I say so. And it's like, but it's the. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what does your family make of you making a life in the arts as an actor and then also with this whole endeavor? Did you meet my parents? I, I met your dad and your brother at the party. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know if I met your mom. I met her briefly. I didn't really get to chat with her, though. Good, good, good. Um, (laughs) So I feel like they're kind of the stereotypical Jewish family where, (laughs) like, my dad is a neurologist. My mom teaches ESL, or did. She's retired. My oldest brother is a plastic surgeon, hand surgeon, went to PhD, blah, 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 blah. All the degrees, and then my other brother is a federal prosecutor. That's the one I met. That's yeah. the one I met, yeah. yeah. Who's gonna like, he wants to get all those bad guys <laughs> who's stealing money. Um, very aspirational. So it was very easy for my dad to qualify us as this is my son, the doctor, this is my other son, the lawyer, and this is my daughter, the actress. <laughs> and it's like great to wear that title and be like, yeah, and I'm. It's hard when you're not working on anything, but you yeah. can be like, well, I'm taking this class, and blah, 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 blah. But the first 12, it's actually, it was only until that launch party that my dad was like, holy shit, Rachel's got this going. Look at her <laughs> walk the room. There's all these people here. I don't yeah. know them. It's nice that it's something tangible. It's Because when you're talking about auditions and stuff, it's hard for people, people to, to understand. Yeah. yeah, my... It, but they're a good gauge of like, uh, I'm, my idea isn't getting across to their generation and mm-hmm. understanding what's going on. Um, yeah. Do they live nearby? They live in Philadelphia now. Okay. Um, they moved from Kentucky to Philadelphia recently. So that's nice. They're not too far away. <laughs> no, not too far. No. How do you feel like since you started working on this project, which seems very all-consuming in a great way. Um, how do you think it's affected you as an actor, or like the kinds where you want to put your energy as an actor as opposed to a founder and a producer? Yeah. I've kind of, the first couple of months working on it, I was battling, like, who am I? Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, am I both and letting go of this past identity, like an identity, like who, yeah. And I'm kind of okay right now with not being an actor, which is scary. Like, or not actively, pursuing not active, yeah. not actively pursuing. Because it's <laughs> always mean something, you're not an actor. right? It's something you can always, you can always be a dancer and be graceful, and or you can always be a musician. Like, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm it's, willing it's to interesting learn though, like, titles. Title aren't important, but then it is when you think about like what you consider yourself and what you call yourself, what you identify as. It is well, weirdly the first important. Question that people ask you, especially in New York, is where do you live and what do you do? Mm-hmm. And those are like really vulnerable things when you don't know who you are or what, 
like you don't feel confident. Like I was from Jersey City. <laughs> it's like what? Or like I'm an actor. Okay, what have you been in? And then you what don't. What are you working on? What are you working on? You're like yeah. I am auditioning. Sometimes. <laughs> yeah, it's really uncomfortable. Yeah, it is. But I want this to be a place where you're like, well, I'm working on this thing, and I met that person, and we're collaborating on something, and it's it's happening. So, do you feel like down the line you can give yourself the space to be like, I'm not just running this place, I can use it as an artist myself, and give myself the time and space to be like, I'm going to work on this project, I'm going to spearhead this in my rehearsal room that I built. <laughs> <laughs> I I kind of I don't want to. Impo- I, this is a weird thing. It's uncomfortable to me because then it's like... Not that you would take all the rehearsal time <laughs> yourself. I'm just saying, you know. Yeah. I'm cool with producing right now. Yeah. Um, I'm dreaming up this thing with Dominique of like creating an artist salon, web series, roundtable, discussion with topics of like what is female friendship and what is technology in the arts. But... Finding a space to create for myself is going to look different because it, it scares me to be like, to impose on a, it feels a little precious and sacred right now. Yeah. You're, you're in a facilitating yeah. mode at the moment. I can see like, we just got to like make more spaces like this all yeah. over the world <laughs> and take over. It's so funny since we met through... Our I re- friends who arts run on Arts on Site, yeah. which is like a diff, which is where I did my first live episode, which is like another amazing, like two rehearsal studios, but they're also creating a community through classes and performance nights and stuff. But it's completely different from what you're doing here. Yeah, it's just interesting. I don't know what I want to say about that, but <laughs> no, no. I've like been siblings that, kind of. Yeah, and I've been playing with. I like they're not. It's not a competition. Yeah, and like they're. I mean, I'm dating Adrian, which yeah. is like one thing, but, then, <laughs> but like also the fact that they they have rehearsal studios. They don't have co-working space. Yeah, they just and they do have like I don't know. It's yeah, we're like siblings, and there there's plenty of room in the world for more creative spaces. Yeah. I think the less competitive it can be, the better, actually. <laughs> There's yes. enough competition. Yeah. Um, are there any mentors that you've found through this process that have really kind of stuck with you and been teaching you things? That's a great question. Because I found that in acting, sometimes you're, you're trying to get that acting teacher to be like, be my mentor, be my, <laughs> my savior. <laughs> and then they're like, I got 20,000 <laughs> who are asking for my, uh, like, You all time Yoda, and I'm not. Right. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but as an entrepreneur, there are so many people who are like, I'll give you advice. You want to you, you get coffee? Great. Uh, yeah, I have so, so many people who are, I can tap into, like, um, especially in the co-working space, um, like David Geis, who I mentioned from Center for Social Innovation. Um, what's crazy, this girl, uh, Marissa Feinberg, she started Impact Hub. Well, she, before, I think it was called Green Desk um, in Brooklyn. And she's an actress, and she started this co-working space. Um, and 
it turned into Impact Hub, and we just started talking, and she's like, let me help you with your PR. And now she has left Impact Hub, and it got bought out. And she has been, like, my go-to. Like, PR is a whole other beast, which is amazing to, like, have press releases done for me. And, like, who – there? it's – yeah, that's great. Um, <laughs> awesome. Um, other mentors. And it's, it's interesting. Yeah, and at slash mentors slash, like, yeah, the specific resources that you found, um, um, especially, like, as a woman entrepreneur that might be helpful to other people. Yeah. Or books you read or... Hmm. Yeah. Lots of, like, <laughs> in the beginning, like, just self-helpy, good, good vibes. Uh-huh. Like, you're a badass. <laughs> we were talking about this earlier. And um, Big Magic... Mm-hmm. And um, that's a great one. Yeah, <laughs> it's interesting. Like, uh, like this guy Jay Tapira. He was he's a, a financial consultant, and he was willing to look at my books and my financial. Just being as curious. I think that's uh, I'm a curious person. So yeah, and trying to not have any judgment. I had this acting teacher. <laughs> Just rant. <laughs> Which is this French lady who studied Lecoq. And the first thing she told us to do in our acting class, she's like, dig out your notebooks. Uh, write this down. And my accent's always turned to Indian, so please. <laughs> she's like, uh, write this down. No judgment. So it's something that's stuck in my head. Like, you can't. Yeah. You never know. So this guy, like, people have come and gone, um, other mentors. I don't know. They're there. There have been a lot of people who just, like, freaking believe in me, which is weird. <laughs> <laughs> but wonderful. But wonderful. That's amazing how generous people have been. Yeah. And that's what, I, what shocks me, too, is how this, like, in the business world, people are like, I don't, I can't help you right now, but I know somebody else who, let me connect you via email. So if there's anything that I hope that we can gather from that as artists is like, you might not be able to be in that person's play right now, but fuck it, introduce them to some videographer or... Yeah, I mean, like you said before, it's all karma. It's karma. <laughs> it comes back never, around. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Yeah. Do you speak French? Because I was internet stalking you and it mm. seemed like you might yes. speak French. <laughs> when I was in... Uh, Oh, right before I went to college, I met a guy. Yes. <laughs> it's funny because his name is Adrian. Really? <laughs> hmm. You have a type. I have a type. Yeah, and that kind of spawned this theater of French love. And uh, you did plays in French? Yeah, I went to. I. I Broke up with him before I went abroad <laughs> in my junior year, but I was dating him from freshman year until junior year. And then I went to Paris and studied at the Sorbonne and did a class called Théâtre d'Intervention, mm-hmm. where it was like uh, interventional theater, but like flash mob, weird, weird shit, cool. where we'd like take, um, 
what is it, the wrapping paper tubes, and we'd like whisper into people's ears as they came out of the train. <laughs> exactly the kind of thing I love. Yeah. There was another one is we'd, we'd stop in the supermarket and freeze for like two minutes, and <laughs> people walked around. I was like, why? But I think the French, so I, I love French festivals, mm-hmm. and I went to the Avignon Theater Festival. I performed in the Crisis Art Festival in Arezzo, Italy, mm-hmm. and I was like, well, I'm already over here, might as well go up there. And the French love like performance theater, and they, um, I stayed at a hostel, and there was, it was all old people, there were nurses and at the hostel. At the hostel, it wasn't young. Mm. They were like smart. Was not a youth hostel. <laughs> <laughs> no, I expected. Uh-huh. But they were sitting around just like having their cigarette, talking about what they just saw. And I was like, we don't do that. Like, why don't we just sit? Like, okay, we see a lot of art, but I know it's so expensive. But we need to sit around and discuss what that we just saw mm. in New York, especially. I know I don't see enough friend shows. Like even off Broadway or Broadway, just having us like a bar or a space afterwards to be like, well, that was weird. <laughs> <laughs> what was it like for you to perform in a different language? Um, I was so bad. <laughs> 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 they were just being kind. Like it was so. Uh, it was one class there, and then I took four classes at um, American University and. But they, all the classes were in French. Mm-hmm. You know, you're studying with French. The French system is totally different, though. Like, I tr- I sat in on a like history of uh, opera of the 1900s, and it's very lecture styled mm-hmm. and not as like discussion, discussion, yeah. embracing in the seats. Yeah. But I was like, if I'm here, I'm gonna like, I'm gonna try and act. <laughs> Good for you. That's scary. Yeah. It was weird. Um, is there like a lesson you've learned in the last couple of years that you're really proud of through this whole process? You want to tell me about? Mm. I guess the the first thing that came to mind was just do it. Yeah, I know it's the Nike branding. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> but sometimes you just have to take the first step. Yeah, that um, it might be really weird and scary and. Don't be afraid to publicize and be vulnerable and ask people for their opinion. And you can take whatever their opinion is and throw it down the garbage. <laughs> <laughs> but be gracious and listen to them. Um, but you, it's like, yeah, just do it. Do the, do the thing. Because I'm sure we all have, like, great ideas and... <laughs> I'm thinking of, we were on the subway, Adrian and I, and ran into a friend from the labyrinth, mm-hmm. and he's an amazing playwright. And I'm just going to use this example for just do the thing, because he's waiting on getting Stephen Adley Giergis to read this one role so that he can get every other person involved. And I was like, well, there's no reason to just do it now, hear it aloud. And then there's so many reiterations of it that can happen. And Adrian looked at me and he was like, you're really harsh on that guy. Like, I wouldn't <laughs> respond to that kind of, but it was more of a like sibling interaction. Um, but yeah, just 
fucking do it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, if you are having a day when you're really in the dark side and feeling, you know, uninspired and down, are there any concrete things that you reach for again and again, like a, a book or music or somewhere you go, hmm. something like that? I usually just disconnect from all um, technology mm-hmm. and I walk. I like to walk a lot. Yeah. I remember reading like Natalie Portman doesn't exercise, she just walks. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's the best in New York City though. I don't know about for exercise, but <laughs> yes. It's like a form of meditation. It you totally walk 30 is. blocks or something. And um, probably just check in with like a friend and call them. Be like, yeah. Or also just be alone <laughs> and shut the door and cry. <laughs> is there anything that you've seen recently of any art form that you want to recommend yeah um, I just saw Rotterdam at 59 East 59th Street mm. it's only there till June 10th I believe I was hesitant to go but a friend had um, directed it in um, it's a, they're doing the Brits off Broadway um, series and it was so powerful. It's uh, about a lesbian couple who uh, one partner is coming out to her family um, via email and she has just can't do it. She can't send it off and the other partner um, realizes that she is trapped in a woman's body and she identifies as a male and how their relationship changes when one chooses to transition and what that means and what does what is love if are these genders and identities that we perform it's just so smart and beautifully written and funny I think I'm actually seeing that a friend of ours is coming in town from Toronto and has a friend in it good but I didn't know that much about it but I think that's the show that she got us oh it's yeah well, great. Stellar. That's awesome. I was, yeah. Well, let's take a brief break, and then Rachel's going to give us a little tour of the space. Yeah. Thank you so much, Rachel. This Thank is awesome. You. All right, crew. Well, you want to tell us about this room, and then we'll head in there? Sure. So this is rehearsal room number dos, two, <laughs> and it's called the family room, and uh, it's about 10 by 13 square feet, mm-hmm. and it was built, oh, I should tell you who built it, because it's kind of cool, um, it's built by two set and carpenter, set designer, carpenter slashers, um, Kai Platt and Eli Reed. Mm-hmm. Um, I know that Eli Reed is the technical director for the new school. Nice. Which is cool. And so they built this on the floor. They built the walls on the floor first and then put them up. But the floor is really uneven here. Um, this building, I should have said this, is an old piano factory. So it has like history in it. Um, so if you look a little closer to the floor, you'll see like divots. Um, in the cement. Mm-hmm. Is that just from the weight of the piano? I guess so. Heavy, heavy. That's what I'm assuming. Mm. 
Yeah. So, okay, cool. The family room. The family room. <laughs> and we're going to go through this beautiful wooden door. Beautiful. <laughs> into the larger <laughs> rehearsal this, room. Yes. This is rehearsal room number one. Uh huh. Um, otherwise known as Ron's Den. And who is Ron? And Ron is a friend, a mentor, and part of the board of directors, and a beautiful human being. And he actually helped, he built these custom-made doors that are soundproof. They're so pretty. Um, they have insulation in them. They're, we're going to sell them when we have to move for thousands of dollars. <laughs> um, but yeah, this room is beautiful. It's about, I think it's bigger than 20 by 24. I think it's 28 by 24. Um, it's got a piano, which is new. This baby came in from Salvation Army for $75. Nice. Did you get it tuned? I did. Lovely. Uh, <laughs> um, the tuner cost more than the piano. The tuner was $150. Um, and the U-Haul huh, was another $50. But I actually hit a car driving the U-Haul. Oh, no. <laughs> unexpected Unexpected. I oh, thought no. I could fit, but it was a 15-footer, and I only needed, like, the baby one. But no. it's June, and everybody's moving. So I hit an inanimate object, a trailer that was carrying a $150,000 Lexus convertible. And the guy got out and was like, The long story short, the piano is here. <laughs> Thank God. And the, uh, the door closed, everything was fine, but I got yelled at. Oh, no. So we got the piano. So that's this room with the piano. <laughs> Beautiful. Um, the track lighting, which is cool. You guys put this up? We did yeah. all the track ourselves. Beautiful. If you wanted to, like, move them to make it like, this is your, your stage. And then this maybe is your, your dressing room. <laughs> I don't know. It's an open space for you to create. I just give ideas. <laughs> um, this is a storage unit. We have lockers. Ooh. A, B, C, D, E, F, G, blah, 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 to Z. Whole alphabet. Mailbox. Kitchen. Kitchen. Mm -hmm. And now we're in the co-working space, and this seats about 50 people, and everything is movable so that if you wanted to host a an event here, you could do it anywhere. Yes, right now they're doing CPR training. <laughs> and you have the library over there. Have a library, so you can rent out specific area separately from the studio. So they're actually members and I said they could do that. They could do that. The conference table has gotten a lot of ass. <laughs> it sounded like ass, but I thought that's what you meant. I thought you did say ass. Computer usage. If you have any books you want to donate. Yeah, I was going to say we should talk some more. Yeah. Yeah. And all the furniture was donated. No. Some of it. Some of it. Um, we use material for the arts. And then... Yeah, that's a great, great organization. The, what was crazy is um, 
two companies were moving, two theater companies were moving to a co-working space, to WeWork. So the Actors Institute, which is an improv company from 30 years ago, was, um, they teach uh, executives how to be better communicators. Mm -hmm. So the majority of our, the couch, the chairs, everything. The one other thing that we got from a production company, Partisan, um, moved to we work and we got the printer from them. Oh, awesome. So like, but it was at a very subsidized price. We did pay. And I think there is value in another conversation. No, of course paying, you want to be able to pay for paying for what you what you do. Yeah. And the product. Like I had this, all these ideas of like as an artist you have to pay. You know, like, yeah. And just it's very cool. yeah. I appreciate the change of lighting into the evening setting. <laughs> I mean just just the track lighting and like insulation on the walls and just the whole like the, the way the condo is set up, like it really is a solid quality job. Yeah, I, yeah. I, it looks I do beautiful. That kind of work, so. Oh yeah. Yeah. So just seeing the work it's like yeah. Real deal. Yeah, no, it's just it's it's quality work. Some people come in here to like want to be a part of it. They see it's just want to feel like you're valued. Yeah, no, absolutely. Well, Rachel, thank you so much. This is really exciting. More episodes are coming soon. Please look for us on Facebook and iTunes. I'd like to thank the following people for their generosity. The Compass cover art is by Kim Miller. Music by Brendan Spieth. Audio assistance from Nick Choksi. And a special thanks to Frankie J. Alvarez. See you next time. Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theater Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theater professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the RISE Theater Directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E dot org because only together we rise.